0: Welcome to More Than Words, a podcast about treating the whole child brought to you by the Reading and Language Learning Center. I'm your host, Tristan, and today I'm joined by myofunctional specialist, Carice Laguerre, to discuss myofunctional therapy and sleep. Hi, Carice. How are you? I am great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We're very excited to have you here. This is a subject I think is super interesting. So I'm excited to dive into it with you. So let's start by having you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Well,
1: you've already introduced my name. I was just about to start with my name. I'm pretty <laughs> slick <sling-air>, right? <laughs> I'm a registered dental hygienist. And a myofunctional therapist. I don't practice clinically the dental hygiene anymore. I just do the myofunctional therapy. So I work with a lot of families. I work with people of all ages, both kids and adults to help them overcome various issues, all related to how they breathe and how they rest.
0: Wow. It sounds so interesting to me. My background, I, I didn't get to mention this to you earlier, but my background is as a singer. And so breathing is like so, such an important thing. So this is really interesting to me. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So um, if people were looking to find you like your clinic or anything of that nature, where would they go? They would go to my
1: website, most likely the myospot.com and, or they would probably wind up on my blog. I think Most people wind up finding me on my blog site first and then it routes to my website. So that's airway matters with an S dot
0: blog, not dot com dot blog. Okay, perfect. And I'll put that in the show notes so people can find your website and your blog. And you're based in Florida, correct? I am based in Florida near West Palm Beach, so that's the southeast
1: end of Florida. Um, but I do see people everywhere and I am a little bit back and forth. I'm a Jersey girl originally. Oh. and so before I was in West Palm, um, you know, I really had a lot of clients and and great families and people I was working with in New Jersey. So I go back and forth between Jersey and Florida and I practice clinically in both of those
0: states. That's very cool. I didn't realize you were a Jersey girl originally. That's so fun. Um love Jersey. Yeah. So cool. Okay. So I'll make sure to put that in the show notes as well. So people can find you, they know Florida, Jersey and your website.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Awesome. So let's dive in. So I don't think I put this in our little show notes today, but can you tell us what myofunctional therapy is just as baseline in case someone might not know?
1: Absolutely. That is the number one question I have to answer pretty much multiple times every single day. (laughs) The Best explanation I have or analogy I have is that it's kind of like personal training, but for all the muscles below the eyes, but above the shoulders. Mm -hmm. So I work with all of the wonderful muscles in that oral facial, some of the oral pharyngeal region to really help strengthen and coordinate them. That way, we can help people breathe better, sleep better, develop better if they're children, and really overall,
0: they're going to have better function. They're going to function better. Right. So how do you find out if someone is appropriate for myofunctional therapy?
1: That is multifactorial. So it's so interesting that, yeah, myofunctional therapy, people come to it from various different aspects because it manifests so differently. So a lot of myofunctional therapy is really getting to the root of proper oral resting posture. nobody ever understands what that is. So at rest, our tongue has a place where it should be at rest. You'd be surprised to know that the tongue should be lightly suctioned up against the roof of the mouth from just (laughs) beyond the upper front teeth, all the way back to our soft palate. And for people who don't know what their soft palate is, just take your tongue. You're going to go across the palate. You'll feel hard, 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 hard. And then it gets soft. That's your soft palate. Wow. And so your tongue is going to be lightly suctioned up at their at rest. Meaning when you're not talking, when you're not eating, when you're not otherwise using your mouth or your muscles, you're going to be suctioned up. And so a lot of different things can happen as a result of that. And some children will manifest as crowded teeth for development. They might have a high, narrow um, roof of mouth palate. a palate. They may have. It deviated septum, they may have, they may have a lot of things in youth related to developmental issues, and craniofacial structural issues. But then as an adult, a lot of times it manifests into sleep issues, mm. difficulties regulating your nervous system, having digestive problems. So people come for a myriad of
0: different reasons. It just depends on how it manifests for them. Wow, that is so interesting. I didn't realize it could cause so many other problems. Mm -hmm. Like it's feel because you said it's like right above the nose to anything below the nose and then above the chest, right? But that's such a small region to affect so many other things that go on in your body. Absolutely.
1: But I think if a lot of us just kind of go back a little bit to our anatomy class, right? We know, number one, breathing is the most important thing to our bodies, point blank period. We can go for days without water, weeks without food, but minutes of no air, that's it. It's game over, right? So when we think about that area, we really need to realize that that's all of our upper respiratory tract. That's our entire system that really does bring breath to our body. Without this part, nothing else is able to function critically. So while it is such a small area and nobody ever thinks about it, like everybody's worried about their abs or their biceps or like, are they summer ready? (laughs) This is... These are the muscles that really do support everything that sustains
0: our life. Wow. That is really cool. I mean, I, like I said, I'm a musician at heart and a singer at heart. So this is, it's just really interesting info to me. Um, and like you said, the soft palate, it is funny because I feel like a lot of people don't know where that is. Um so that was a great way to describe it. People normally say it's like all the way in the back of your throat and it's like, you put an egg back there, but that was a great description. I appreciate that. Um, <clears throat> so like you said, myofunctional therapy, determining who's appropriate, that is multifaceted. But we've talked a little bit about how you can get your children in for therapy. So how early can you start?
1: So for a full myofunctional therapy program, where we will work with your muscles to strengthen, coordinate them, and get you to proper oral resting posture, a full program starts at age five. Wow! There are some instances where you might have a very mature four-year-old, like somebody who's really ready beforehand, but in the age group younger than five, you might be looking at doing some things to just build their awareness, enhance their awareness of the fact that they have a tongue and that they have right. lips, that their lips could be closed, you're just building awareness. So that I wouldn't consider true myofunctional therapy. But five and up, you're
0: good to go for myofunctional therapy. Wow. I mean, that's that's very cool. And I'm I'm sure you're you think like props to these five-year-olds who can like sit through this and like really get get it. Um, so you mentioned some sleep issues um that could happen from you know, improper posture and things of that nature. So what are the sleep issues that lead people to come see you?
1: So more often than not, it's the people who are snoring, who are grinding in their sleep, who have restless sleep. If you wake up still feeling fatigued, that will be a big red flag. People who are diagnosed officially with upper airway resistance syndrome Mm. or obstructive sleep apnea. But one of the biggest telltales is always the snoring. And so I like to talk about snoring as like the big guns, right? So let's think about snoring and let's use another analogy. So let's take a person who has a beer belly. You take that beer belly, you lie that person flat on their back between gravity, everything just sort of shifts. Like that beer belly doesn't look like that big round belly anymore. It's kind of moved. Now you take somebody who has six pack abs. You lie that person down. What moves? What shifts? Nothing, right? Same gravity places a force on both bodies, but there's a lot more strength and structure there, right? That Mm -hmm. muscle is very well developed. And and so it stands against gravity. Right. And so let's think about our upper respiratory tract and how everything's supporting and all these soft tissues we have in the neck region. When we go to lie down, If we're lying down on our back, even if we're on our side, the very first steps and stages of sleep are for muscles to relax. So we have gravity that places a force, and we have muscle relaxation in the first stages of sleep. That's going to create this wonderful environment where if those muscles are built more like the beer belly, not very well trained, they're going to shift. You're going to have more probability that they will occlude mm. whereas if you've got some strength in muscles you've got like a six pack throat <laughs> just for lack of us being able to say that any better <laughs> right <laughs> you've got a six pack throat you go to lie down and it's able to kind of maintain itself right. in opposition of gravity in opposition of everything being relaxed and so myofunctional therapy kind of gets in there like your personal trainer to make sure that you are at your most, uh, patent so that right. you can breathe and sustain breathing throughout the night, which will in turn help you be able to regulate your sleep stages and actually get true restorative sleep. Right.
0: That is such a good analogy. I could visualize all of it and I could feel, you know, you can feel it when you're talking about it. So that is very helpful. Um, and it's just so interesting i didn't re- like i i guess i didn't think about how it kind of feels like your muscles would just like but flatten right onto where you're supposed to be breathing and you can't really get that air in and is that kind of this is so random but is that what makes the snoring sound is it your muscles hitting Yes. So I like
1: to say that it's the muscles. It's definitely the muscles, but it's the sound of air meeting resistance because as the air is trying to move through the muscles, those muscles are vibrating against each other. The air is trying to push through. So it's the sound of air meeting resistance. And if I was to tell somebody that, okay, you can eat this cheeseburger or you could have these French fries, but they're going to meet resistance the whole way down you would feel super alarmed. You'd be like, no, no, I don't want that. Like, how do we avoid that? But the air that we're breathing is meeting resistance at night and we're calling it cute with snoring. Like, it's not cute. It's not adorable. Oh (laughs) my. It's problematic. Yeah. It's problematic.
0: So you said we are strengthening those muscles so that you can get that better, well, so that you can breathe while you're sleeping, you get the better sleep. So what are the things that you do in therapy to improve that muscle strength?
1: So I like to break down therapy into like three stages or phases. First it's, well, Let's go back because I was going to, you know, go into the stages of therapy first. <laughs> Let's talk about the fact that we have to figure out where the deficiency is. Right. So, the first step is always an evaluation. Evaluation is how myofunctional therapists are able to create a customized plan that really do get to the root of that person's particular muscular dis- um, deficiencies. Right. And so, What we would do from then is we craft a program that comes in three phases. So the first phase is really strengthening and isolating the muscles. So where there's any asymmetry in muscular function, because a lot of the muscles in my wheelhouse are in pairs where there's a right and a left, right? So we don't want any asymmetry. We don't want one to be stronger than the other or weaker than the other and vice versa. What we really want is to build up the musculature. Then from there, we're going to help to coordinate. What's supposed to move when, how can we establish proper oral resting posture? How can we establish how these muscles are supposed to move so that we can eliminate any sort of compensatory patterns that may have developed? Because if something's not working, such as let's say your nose is blocked, you can't breathe, your body doesn't say, oh, well, we give up. That's it. No, (laughs) you find another way, right? So now we're going to open up our mouth and we'll just breathe from there. So the same backups exist in the muscular system as well. And so we eliminate those compensatory patterns. So we're coordinating everything into how it should move. Then we start integrating it into daily life. So it starts out as like exercises that are isolated, and then it moves into activities. And then it moves into, well, where can we use this in your daily life? How can we keep you accountable in your daily life? And then from there, all of that conscious awareness helps build subconscious, you know, repatterning of that musculature.
0: Right. Wow. And I'm sure that takes a bit of time. How long do people come to you for therapy before they start like really building that into their daily routine?
1: It takes definitely some time, at least six months, yeah. at least. Wow. But some people are working for up to a year. Some people even longer,
0: depending yeah. on what their deficiencies were prior. Wow. And do you see a lot of kids with um, like other speech problems that come in to get help with their myofunctional, like, I guess, is there, are there other speech problems that lead to maybe sleep problems in the myofunctional field? Anything like that?
1: Absolutely. There are some that present with such a prominent tongue thrust and this Mm. thrust is happening even at rest. It's happening every time they swallow, it's happening when they speak and it'll come out in the form of a frontal lisp. Or sometimes they might have an anterior, um, I'm sorry, a posterior thrust. And so that'll come out as a lateral list. Uh, When we have these people who are struggling with certain sounds, it might be the S, the C, H, the... Uh, ours definitely. Yeah, We we kind of have a good telltale that something's going on and that their oral placement skills are off. And so we collaborate because I'm a registered dental hygienist. I would collaborate with a speech therapist and right. then we're working together to kind of get through and overcome a lot of those speech issues.
0: Right. Yeah. We see some kids for articulation here at RLC um, and it is interesting to hear like you know, a lot of the, a lot of times it's, it's trouble with the R. Um, and then I'm sure we have some other kids with lisps. I do not see them, (laughs) but I'm sure we do have some kids with lisps as well. So that's interesting to, um, to hear that. Um, and so the last question I have on here, I'll ask, but I think I have another one in my head, which is, um, do you, um, children have to be diagnosed with like a sleep disorder in order to come see a myofunctional therapist?
1: No, they do not have to be diagnosed with a sleep disorder at all. No. Uh, If you have enough of the signs, the symptoms, the indications, or the dysfunctions, absolutely you can be seen by a myofunctional therapist. But more often than not, myofunctional therapy is amazing and wonderful in a lot of different things, but more often than not, we have to collaborate with other people on the team to really meet goals, right? So whether it's a speech language pathologist or an occupational therapist or a dentist. There's any number of people that might be on the team to really help that way. That function is really optimized in the other areas where they may have been struggling. Right.
0: And I mean, that's kind of why we have this podcast, right? It's because we know it that that phrase, it takes a village, like is really true when you've got a kiddo that's struggling with something of that nature, of this nature. Um, because like we just, you know, like we talked about at the beginning everything is connected in the body so once you know notice one thing is off it might take a couple folks a couple hands in the pot to really get that kiddo um back to where they need to be um what do you see like kids who come in for sleep problems is it normally snoring or what's the most popular thing that not popular but what's the most um frequent i guess like diagnosis that comes into your Office.
1: It is hardly ever the snoring. That's wow. That winds up being an afterthought for a lot of parents because, again, people think it's cute. Oh, he snores just like his dad. It's not adorable. No. Um. <laughs> it winds up be being a bedwetting. Bedwetting beyond wow. age six. Hmm where there are kids who chronically bedwet, wet um, and a lot of the grinders where the parents can hear them audibly grinding their teeth. So wow. their teeth are rubbing together with such force that they can, parents can hear it from another room.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: That winds up being a big red flag issue. And then ADHD or, or symptoms of ADHD, because in children, there's actually a 70% overlap between sleep disorders in children and how they manifest symptomatically mm-hmm. and ADHD and the symptoms of that. So 70% overlap means that there's a lot of room for error on these diagnosis. If we yeah. go just the, you know, ADHD route and we start seeking medication without ruling out the sleep. So we wind up seeing a lot of people who are like, I, I just want to see what's going on here with them functionally because this may
0: be the root of the issue as opposed to the ADHD being a true diagnosis. Wow. That is insane. I did not realize that because we have a lot of kids, um, since we do reading at RLLC, we have a lot of kids that have ADHD um, and dyslexia. That Those two end up being comorbid um, very often, but I never thought that adhd and sleep problems could be you know um th- their symptoms can overlap and one could be mistaken for the other so that's very interesting and really? the bedwetting thing is that just from not getting sufficient sleep is there did they know a reason for it so it has to do with the sleep
1: and the body's cues during sleep that would shut off the bladder and so that they're not wetting at night, right. but they're not getting those cues. The chemicals and the hormones aren't being balanced. Like they're struggling. The body is now prioritizing breathing, right? They're not oxygenating well, so- our main priority. Like I said, we can't go but for a few minutes. So the right. body's not going to give up. It's just going to be like, look, we don't have time to divert attention to bladder. <laughs> this is the last thing on our minds. Now <laughs> we're going to try to, you know, keep breathing and keep our human as alive as possible. So yeah, it, it winds up becoming a source for nocturnal enuresis.
0: Wow. That is so interesting. So I'm, I mean, I'm glad we chatted um, about this because I think, some of these things, like you said, might get overlooked for like ADHD or they might, parents might think that it's a different problem. Um, So thank you for touching on those um, symptoms so that parents, if they're listening to this, they know, you know, what to look out for. Yeah. I think that really was my last question for you. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But did you have anything else you wanted to add?
1: I think the only thing I like to add is that I really think it's important, you know, I am a mom of four. I struggled with a lot of things with my kids. Even just to touch back in on that bedwetting for 10 years, every night straight, my oldest daughter had that issue where every night she was wetting the bed and we thought it was a number of different things. And the pediatrician told us at some point, like, yeah, she won't be 15 and doing that. Like she'll grow out of it. And I I never really felt right with that answer. Nothing about that really felt right, but I didn't fully feel like I could advocate for myself. And so I like to ask everybody to please advocate when something doesn't feel right. You may not be talking to the right person. You don't have to go switching a whole bunch of providers, but just go and, you know, seek out answers that feel right with you and your soul, right? Advocate for yourself. You'll, you'll get the best care only when you advocate for
0: it. Thank you. I appreciate that. It is hard to um, a lot of our kids are in the school system and parents have a hard time doing that there as well. So I appreciate you mentioning that because I think it applies in all, all realms. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here. This was super interesting. I think very helpful. And I learned a lot in this session. So I hope a lot of parents out there did. Um, so again, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you. Absolutely. Thank you so much to the audience for listening. Make sure to subscribe and leave us a little rating and review. It helps other folks find the podcast and we'll chat with you next time.